What's up guys, Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's BMW Championship. And yes, it is a wonky week, not only with uh, the Monday finish that we got for the Northern Trust, but going to a course that is brand new on the PGA Tour schedule. It's it's a lot to kind of uh, parse through here on a short week, and it is going to impact the content schedule. So the way it's looking, uh, this DFS preview that you're watching is out right now, obviously, because you're watching it. There's probably not going to be a betting, a dedicated betting and one and done preview this week just because of the timing, uh, but there will still be the Wednesday live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. That's for all your questions, answers. Uh, we can go through the tournament predictor. We can do head-to-head matchups, whatever you want over there. Maybe I'll try to take it a little longer on Wednesday just so we can cover more stuff as well. And then 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, still the jock market power hour. That's all things stock market DFS. And then on Friday, I'm shooting currently for about 4 p.m. Eastern time for the Cut Sweat show, the live Cut Sweat. Now, There is no cut this week, so it's really more of a watch party. It's really more of an opportunity to see live betting options. It'll be very data-driven. It'll be fun. Come on and check it out. Um, Before I jump into the preview for this week, uh, a couple of quick shout-outs. I've got winners from last week. AD dropped into my uh, Slack DMs with a... uh, I I like to shout-out these types of wins, right? $10 into $500 in a single entry, not mass multi-entering anything, just firing the one bullet, winning the contest for $500, and then not only did he win, he wiped the floor with the competition. I mean, he was head and shoulders above everyone else. So congratulations, AD. And congratulations to R. Gregory and Pinto J.A. I have picked the, the latter two uh, for subscriptions to rickrungood.com. That's my website. All the tools that you see on this video and every video come from my website. So I'll get I'll get you guys set up. I've already reached out to you. Uh, for your subscriptions to rickrungood.com. If you would like to enter to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to do it. If you're on YouTube, make sure that you are subscribed uh, to the YouTube channel. Like this video and comment below with who you think is going to win the BMW Championship. That's one way. The second way is to go to the iTunes version of this show, leave a five-star rating and review, say something nice about the show, and leave me your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you. The the podcast version, it's called 300 Yards to Unknown. It is linked in the description. And then finally, 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 I promise finally, I've been doing a golf vlog. Uh, Basically once a week I go out and and film uh, myself playing golf. It's fun. You get to see the good shots. You get to see the bad shots. It's been very well received. There are three episodes out right now. There is a fourth one coming this week at a course that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. So check that out. And I appreciate the support. Something fun to break up the weekend. Okay. It's time now. DFS preview for this week's BMW Championship. Caves Valley Golf Club. What is it? Where is it? Have you ever heard of it? All that good stuff. Here's what we know. This is, of course, in Baltimore, Maryland. And we have not seen uh, PGA Tour golf in Baltimore since, like, 1964 or something like that. It's been, uh, this is a Tom Fazio design that had to be, it had to be lengthened and and kind of uh, updated for uh, the modern player. And that's why the PGA tour is back. Um, This is 
A par 72, 7,500 yards. That's pretty big. Pretty big park, bent grass, greens, and the some of the comments that we've heard. Uh, Jordan Spieth has, has uh, been, been on record saying he's played this course about 10 times. I assume that is because of his ties with Under Armour. That would be, I guess, the Baltimore-Maryland connection there, that he's been there so often that they've played this. Um, that's that's my guess. But he says it's a risk-reward course. You know, he said that the the scoring differ, uh, the scoring differentials might be rather large. You might have guys really far under par. Uh, you might have guys who are struggling because those small margins on every single hole tend to add up. Uh, and if you're hitting it well, you can take advantage of it. If, if you're not, things go south very, very quickly. Um, and there is no cut this week. So we are now in no cut season this week. And next week are events where all golfers, barring uh, DQ or WD, are are going to play for guaranteed rounds. And as you can imagine, on um, most courses, every single course on the PGA Tour, uh, you know, driving distance is certainly going to be something to keep an eye on this week, just because of how important it is. This is a big park, and because we don't know much about it, and the players don't know much about this, right? You know, they're going to get on site a day late and have to figure this thing out. It, it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we have this week with the short week. All right, let's head over to the cheat sheet here and look at the player pool. And my goodness, uh, seven golfers over $10,000. And John Rahm is 11700 which that might be the most expensive he's been in quite some time. I mean, you, the this used to be... So Dreskings used to constantly get near $12,000 for the most expensive golfer, and they've kind of dialed that back a little bit, I assume, in an effort to make it easier to make lineups. Uh, yeah, so we have not seen John Rahm be this expensive since... The Tour Championship, which doesn't count because that's starting strokes, right? And and you get some really expensive guys, and it's not really a, a great indication. So the last time he was this expensive, I mean, was he ever this expensive? He was 11-6 at what was the Desert Classic in 2019. Well, that's not 11-7. No, this is the most expensive he's ever been in my database outside of the Tour Championship. Wow, so we are seeing uh, uncharted territory for John Rahm. Now, is it warranted? Well, you could kind of argue it is. Let's do the last, um, I don't know, what do you want to do? Last 20 rounds, that's essentially five events for these golfers, sort by strokes, gain total, and John Rahm is just head and shoulders Above the field. I mean, he's averaging over three strokes gained per round. It's an absolutely bonkers number. Um, you could argue this is well warranted. Now, if you're going to try, I, I like the idea of using John Rahm in my DraftKings lineups over betting him. You're kind of seeing him at like five and a half, six and a half to one. It's a really tough number to bet. And even without the victory last week, John Rahm was in the optimal lineup. So it is certainly possible for him to return you enough value, even if he does not win this golf tournament, especially uh, depending on what the other guys in the 10K range do. Um, so I, I don't mind putting him in my DraftKings lineups, especially because there are some really, really cheap golfers in this field that I think are going to be viable options. So John Rahm at the top, and then a big gap to Xander, Xander Shoffley at 11,100 and Jordan Spieth at 10,8. Um, Spieth was uh, horrid, I think, for three rounds last week, right? I mean, he was, I don't know if this is a positive takeaway or a, a negative takeaway for Spieth last week as we go through his round-by-round round stuff here on the Holy Grail. You know, he shot, what, two seventy twos. He shot a 62, tying the course record at the time, and then implodes on Sunday, loses 8.8 .8 strokes to the field right here. He lost in 
every single category across the board. Lost huge off the tee on the weekend. Lost huge on approach on um, on Sunday. I'm a little bit worried about this. Um, you know, the, the back-to-back really, really bad driving days, um, that's concerning because that was the one thing that for Spieth has really allowed him to uh, prosper this year, right? He he was he was a zero driver of the golf ball, or even in some cases, gaining from every event, basically every event from Pebble Beach to the U.S. Open, and then at the Open Championship, he finished second. We don't have the advanced metrics for that, but the the, the driver really allowed him to stay in play and 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 tap into um, some of the great iron play, and we did not see that over the weekend. So I am approaching uh, Jordan Spieth a little bit more cautiously this week. I imagine he's going to work hard get that driver in order but I'm I'm a little bit concerned we'll keep an eye on that as the week goes on Justin Thomas at 10-6 starting to feel like he's uh you know getting fairly priced again uh because of you know the the run that he had last week where he finished fourth and we look at his advanced metrics and you see okay this is what we want to see from Justin Thomas uh on approach in his last three measured starts plus two plus six plus four that is the combination. He finally rolled some putts in, which he's not going to gain four and a half strokes putting every single week, but he's not going to lose five every single week. He's going to be somewhere in there. He's going to be volatile in a good way. So this is starting to shape up like a really good profile for um, Mr. Thomas there. I worry about Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson for the first time in like two years, lost strokes in both of the ball striking categories last week. That was minus two on off the tee, minus one on approach. That is concerning, especially for a year that has not gone Dustin Johnson's way. I can continue to remain concerned. Uh, Brooks Kepka, I'm completely fine with. In fact, um, I have bet Brooks Kepka to win because when I opened up the odds on Tuesday morning and I saw that Brooks Kepka was 25 to one and Louis Eustazen was 22 to one, I rubbed my eyes and I went back to bed and I woke up again. And sure enough, that was real. That was not a dream, nor was it a nightmare. Um, you know, Brooks Kepka's uh, first three rounds at the Northern Trust were really good. Then you get a waterlogged Monday with no fans. You had to hang around an extra day. I don't think we got the most engaged version of Brooks Kepka. He was not good in the final round. Otherwise, he is still... Uh, piling up top six finishes now six of them in his last 12 starts plenty of winning upside so I don't mind that the the leverage spots appear to be at the bottom of this 10k range with Brooks Kepka and then also with Colin Morikawa because I don't know what people are going to do and I'm looking for a bit more clarification on something that we found out last week and what we found out was that in Tokyo Colin Morikawa tweaked his back a little bit a little little back injury and now it's starting to make sense because for the first time in his career, he was a zero or worse on approach in three consecutive events. That is the one attribute that Colin Morikawa is by far the best player in the world at. And he was not good from Tokyo to Memphis to the Northern Trust. There is actually not another time in his career that he was a zero or worse on approach in two straight events, in back-to-back events. He's now on a stretch of three, so it makes sense that something was going on here. Now, from what I understand, and do not quote me on this, and I'm going to try to get more information as the week goes on. From what I understand, he hurt the back in Tokyo. From what I also understand, the back is feeling better, but 
what happened was he had kind of tweaked his mechanics a little bit and kind of changed things to protect the back. And now he's a little bit out of sync. I mean, the fact that we're even arguing about this, the fact that he's lost a combined two strokes on approach in three events, it, like that's average on tour, right? That's average, uh, but not for Colin Morikawa. And it's not okay if you're Colin Morikawa. So from my understanding, the miscut at the Northern Trust was probably good for him because not only does he get the additional rest, but I believe he was able to connect with his coach, Rick Sussing, uh, Sessinghouse, Sussinghouse, Sessinghouse, I forget, but he's able to uh, uh, connect with his coach. And I believe they are working through these mechanics here again. So if they can get, if Morikawa is healthy, if they can get him back on track uh, with the swing, a couple of sessions, and, and Morikawa is very coachable. He's usually able to get right back to it. Um, I, I think here here's your leverage guy. You know, he hasn't played well. The metrics don't look good. People are going to be worried about the back. We're going to see as the week goes on, but I could I could see Morikawa being the absolute leverage guy here in the 10K range with plenty of winning upside. Hey guys, real quick, not sure if you heard, but Caesars bought William Hill and they have now rebranded the William Hill Sportsbook as Caesars Sportsbook. And because of this, they're going absolutely bonkers outside their mind with promotions. And the big one is that they're offering $5,000 in free bets. That is not uh, an exaggeration. You did not mishear me. $5,000. It's the highest I've ever seen. It is uh, by far, I'm sure, the highest any book has offered since gambling has become legalized state by state. It's it's absolutely nuts. You don't have to use it for golf. You can use it for whatever. Go to rickrungood.com slash bets. See if it's available in your state. I'll keep you updated as more states roll out. I know there's a couple coming uh, on the horizon here, but my goodness, it is uh, something you should definitely be taking advantage of, of, of if you have not yet. The 9K range, absolutely stacked here. Tony Finau back after the win. Congrats, Tony. Louis Oosthuizen uh, seemingly back in action. We're going to keep an eye on that. And remember, he withdrew from the Wyndham. He withdrew from the Northern Trust prior to those events starting. It's the neck that is uh, continuing to give him trouble. So we will keep a close eye on Louis. Uh, but the bottom of this 9K range is incredibly interesting. Rory McIlroy, who, you know, let's let's look at Rory. And I want to go round by round last week on Rory because... There are a couple of uh, noteworthy things here. So I'm just going to flip through the Holy Grail. This is the new Holy Grail. If you've not seen it yet, I really like it. So uh, this one round, Friday's round, uh, Rory lost 4.8 strokes on approach on Friday alone. Friday alone. Now, that is, let's see here. 4.8, 4.8, yeah, the worst single round of Rory McIlroy that I have in my database. That's 591 measured rounds. That goes back to the start of 2011, which is basically the entirety of Rory McIlroy's career. He came on the scene in 2010. So this is very likely the worst single round of approach um, in his career, measured round in his career. Now, I think the there are a couple of good takeaways about that. Uh, it, it it was fine the very next round. He well, I don't I don't want to say fine, but he bounced back. He was average on approach in round three. He gained a half a stroke in round four. You start to look back at results. Uh, you know, before that, he had been a, a consistent gainer on approach. So I'm not nearly. I'm not all that worried about that. I think there's a strong case to be made that that you could run Rory back out there this week. There's also a really strong case to be made that you could run Bryson DeChambeau out there this week. And I want to be um, very uh, transparent here. I bet both Rory and Bryson DeChambeau last week. I actually re-upped 
on Bryson on Friday night after round two because I loved the way the advanced metrics looked. Uh, the first two rounds, he had gained 2.6 on approach and 3.2 on approach before giving it away in Saturday's third round. Uh, he ended up finishing in a tie for 31st. To me, this looks like a guy who's getting close. You know, you're starting to see the approach game come around. You're starting to see the putter stabilize a little bit. He's still very, very sour around the greens for whatever reason that is. But um, we are starting to see the blueprint, I believe, for Bryson DeChambeau. So I'm not ready to go away from that yet. They're 94, Rory, and and Bryson is 9,300. Both very, very interesting. Um, Cantlay continues to be consistent. Hovland, you know, played his last nine holes uh, without a putter on Sunday. So you might want to throw that round out the window. And Daniel Berger at a flat 9,000. I have no problem with any one of these guys. If you do want to kind of compare and pick and choose uh, between these golfers, here's what we can do. Uh, you know, depending on what your time frame is, maybe you want to say, maybe you want something a little bit more recent. You want um, since the start of April. I don't know why I picked April, but if you want to look at April and you want to sort by strokes gain total and you start to see the golfers in the 9K range that that pop up first, Louis Oosthuizen, uh, Cam Smith, then Rory McIlroy. Believe it or not, you know, considering Rory has you know not been good this year, uh, still near the top of the board in terms of uh, strokes gain total, and then Victor Hovland would be the fourth guy in the 9K range that eventually uh, pops up there. So, so interesting, interesting things to note. Pretty small $8,000 range here. Um, I would not mind, well, I was going to say anybody in this range, but um, I continue to keep an eye on Scotty Scheffler. I think that he is proving uh, time and time again that in strong field events, he he can certainly contend. Uh, the other thing is I want to keep an eye on Abraham Answer here because at $8,700, we now had a start after the win. I think that's important. I think that is noteworthy. If you, if you look at his metrics from the Northern Trust, he wasn't bad. He was just about average across the board. And, you know, it is hard to tee off after you win a golf tournament and reset. It's hard to do that, especially for a guy who got his first victory. So um, I, I want to see how he kind of approaches this week and if he can get kind of back on track where he was piling up those top 10 finishes. Uh, concerns, he's not very long off the tee. He is going to hit a lot of fairways, but he's not very long. That concerns me at a course like this. Uh, good news is he's awesome on bent grass. By far his best putting surface. Uh, it's not even close and he's and he's very good in that category. So I'll be interested to keep an eye on his ownership as the week continues to roll on. And then the other guy that really stands out to me is Sung J M at 8,000. And uh, are we noticing anything here with Sung J? Are we noticing kind of the foundation that he's laying? He's back to gaining strokes off the tee every single week. He was phenomenal with the driver in Jersey City, gained over four strokes there. He's starting to hit the ball much better, gained nearly three strokes on approach at the Northern Trust. Now three events in a row he's gained in up on approach and now seven out of his last eight. That's a really good sign. The putter, which let him down in Memphis, which let him down at the Wyndham, uh, still... He was still a loser at the Northern Trust, but much closer to zero. He lost less than one stroke putting. This is starting to be a good trajectory for Sung J.M. And you can see it not only in the results, 46, 24th, 16th in the last three weeks heading in the right direction but also in the metrics the putter getting better off the tee getting better approach getting better this is a really interesting outline and it's it's much closer to his you know original dna like when you look and say what's 
what's the DNA for uh, for Sung JM? It's starting to look a lot like his advanced metrics right there. So very interested in the way that he is priced at eight thousand, and even eight thousand, it's it's a flexible number. It allows a lot of uh, salary cap relief. I'm 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 certainly interested in that. And then you go down to the seven K range and. I think there's going to be some love for Kokrak, believe it or not, just because he's kind of a big hitter. He's won twice. He's had good history at the BMW Championship. I know this is different courses, but he's coming off two consecutive missed cuts. I'm going to wait and kind of see the way this ownership shakes out on Kokrak, but the guy that has my attention uh, right now is Russell Henley. Russell Henley is $7,800. He has been near the top of the leaderboard a lot recently. Has he closed any of those out? The answer is no. But he has been, um, you know, he's been really good. And look at what he did last week, the Northern Trust. Gained 5.8 on approach. That is exactly, exactly what we want to see from Russell Henley. Where did he lose? The putter. Six strokes putting, which, if you sort here, is his second worst putting week ever. Is he going to have his second worst putting week ever? Is he going to putt like that again? No. Even if he putts poorly, even if he putts really bad, you'd expect him to lose two or three strokes to the field. That's kind of normally where he's at. Not to lose six, especially for a guy who entering the the Northern Trust, he had gained strokes putting in four consecutive events. He had He's basically a zero putter this season. So this is very much an outlier performance with the flat stick for Russell Henley no reason to think he does not get that figured out. Now, can he win this golf tournament? Probably not. Can he provide you plenty of value? Certainly can out of the $7,800 price tag. Couple other notables here in the seven thousand dollar range. Uh, EVR Eric Van Royen is seventy five hundred, and boy, are we looking at a confident golfer right now? You know, he wins the uh, Barracuda. He finishes thirty seventh at the Wyndham. He has a top ten where he is in contention all Saturday and Sunday long at the Northern Trust. A confident golfer is a dangerous one, and that is what we are seeing from EVR right now. But maybe my most interesting or intriguing option in the 7k range has to be charlie hoffman because let's go pull up hoffman's run here he has uh you know this season for him has been spectacular he doesn't have a win to show for it but he's got a bunch of top 20 finishes and he uh really kind of lost that momentum at the memorial and then through the open championship he didn't play particularly well he was horrid around the greens all that good stuff but what we saw at the northern trust might be a sign of him returning to form was was excellent in the ball striking categories he gained strokes putting he was still terrible around the greens but a a t21 finish and much more reminiscent of his stat lines from valero to the charles schwab which was six consecutive top 20s that was when this was just peak charlie hoffman you know play him you look at this, he was getting owned at a 26 percent clip uh and then he kind of each and every week that he didn't play well he went to 13 percent to six percent to 6.7 percent so the sentiment on charlie hoffman uh, has certainly waned over the course of uh the last couple of months but i think we might be starting to see signs of a bit of a resurgence i do worry about a couple of things he's not very accurate uh, he's long enough, but not very accurate. He's, he's, he's really bad on, on bent grass putting surfaces. So, uh, we'll have to see if he can fix that for this week, or at least get a little bit lucky, but that, that $7,000 price tag for a guy who's having a great season, had five bad starts or four bad starts. I think it's a little bit too cheap. 
the $6,000 range. Remember, this is the playoffs. These guys have really all earned their spot in here. They're all playing well enough. And in a no-cut event, you could make a case for almost anyone in this field. And the opportunity to buy these guys at 6000 is really the key to getting John Rahm into your lineups, right? That's that's the thing. A couple of things worth noting. Um, the one thing before I get into the guys that I like, Stuart Sink, unfortunately, I... I, I, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, Stuart Sink has had a great year, two wins on the resume already. He is 48 years old in a season that has had 50 events. It's just been a very, very long season. I think he might be running out of gas a little bit. And the reason I say that is, well, you know, since his win at the RBC heritage, he hasn't been that good. In fact, the Northern Trust is T21. That was his best result. A lot of outside top 30, outside top 40 finishes and not really leaning on his strengths, which for the majority of the year was the approach play. Um, So even with that T21 last week, well, look at what he did. He gained 7.6 strokes putting. Is that the best ever? It is. That's his best. Well, maybe not ever. It's his best single event uh since the start of 2011, that's 10 years ago. So unrealistic to think he's going to do anything like that with the putter again, which makes me concerned. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to congratulate Stuart Sink on a great year. I am probably going to bid him adieu for the rest of the season. Now, the, 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 the guys that I am interested in, well, Cam Davis at $6,900 on a, on a course that I think distance might be better, right? Uh, and also with no cuts. Um, and we know how many birdies and how many eagles this guy makes. I think that he's interesting in terms of DraftKings scoring, but I'm really willing to go pretty far down this list here. You know, $6,200 for Harry Higgs with back-to-back top 16 finishes. Yeah, you can sign me up for that, but you can really sign me up. And this is absolutely going to burn me for a min-priced Hudson Swafford. Um, a min-priced Hudson Swafford. Let's go find him here. Did you happen to catch what he did at the Northern Trust? Gained 12.8 strokes ball striking. 7 off the tee, 5.4 on approach. It's wild numbers. Best in the field. He was the best player in the field in terms of the ball striking categories. So now we get a min-priced guy who at least gives us the ball striking. Now, he was... Really bad around the greens and even worse on the putting surfaces. He lost the combined six strokes in the short game. That's not all that uncharacteristic, but that's a little bit of a of an extreme for Harris English, who you can see lost three in the short game at the Wyndham, was a zero at the Barbasol, was a zero at the John Deere. He actually gained two strokes in the short game at the Palmetto, and that's really the key for him, right? You can see just gaining two strokes in the short game at Palmetto, T2. You know, that that's really what we're asking. Um, now it is a no cut event. So he's not there's no risk of 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 that biting him on the first couple of rounds. If he's hitting it this way, I like it. He is uh long enough off the tee, right? Big guy who can bomb it around here. So a min priced six thousand dollars for Hudson Swafford. Um, that's gonna be too good for me to pass up. So he's gonna he's gonna lo- allow a lot of flexibility, and I can imagine a scenario in which I pair him with John Rom. Custom model. Let's go. The I really want to shorten this up. Let's do less 12 rounds 
because I, I really want to find guys that are hot, right? I want to find that. So here's what I think for this week on a course that we've never seen before. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of, uh, well, I, I kind of want to do a couple of things here. I want to modify my own strokes gained off the tee. So I kind of want to do like 10 on distance, 10 on accuracy, because I, I do believe the rough is going to be penal this week. And then I want to do, no, let's just do that. 10 and 10. So it's basically, that's my strokes gained off the tee. I want to do um, 20 on approach and 20 on birdie or better. I think that's going to be important this week. So that leaves me with 60. Uh, it is a par 72, and I think the par fives you're going to have to take advantage of. Let's put 15 on par five scoring, which leaves me with 25. And I want to do, let's see here. I don't want to start double counting these. I have 25 left. Let's do 15 on putting and 10 around the green. A little bit of a modified, very modified actually, strokes gain total with par 5 scoring and birdie or better being highly weighted. And this is probably going to change for me throughout the week. My number one golfer, no surprise, John Rahm. Yeah, look, I mean, this. Look, when we start to shorten this up, Look at the hot players that come in here. Rom is number one by a pretty wide margin. Cam Smith is number two. Harris English, number three. I'm fine with that. Burns, four. Yeah, he's been good. EVR, talked about a hot golfer, right? EVR is number five. Sebastian Munoz. I got to do my homework on Munoz. 6,700. Webb at 85. Answer at 87. Hideki and Tony Finau round out my top 10. This is very interesting. Um, I will do some more research on Sebastian Munoz, see what he has been up to. I talked about a lot of these guys, right? No surprise to see the hot golfers here, especially when we shorten the time frame up a little bit. Bryson's my 13th ranked golfer. That's kind of interesting. Hudson Swafford's my 17th, and he is min-priced. So the, what, 69th priced golfer is my 17th golfer? That is... Certainly something that you should be paying attention to. So, okay, that's that's what I'll do. I'll pay attention to it. I'll do my homework. It's Tuesday morning, so there's a, there's a, a shorter period of time to be able to do so, but we're going to turn it around. We got plenty of live content this week, more stuff coming. Um, let me know what you think. Tweet me at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.